Matthew 25 and 23, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. And there's more, but I'm going to stop there for now. Because that's where we like to stop. We take the wonderful parts and we just stop right there a lot of times. And we just say, oh, yes, I look forward to that. Something about hearing a well done, good and faithful servant from the Lord is just pleasing to our hearts. Amen. Amen. It fits right in line with the, the busyness and the, the craziness of the world that we live in, where the desire and the need for people these days just seems to be rest. Just seeking that place where we're going to enter into a place of retirement, where we we're, we're just done and we don't have to do any more, and oh, we can exhale. Good, well done. Let me tell you, there's more to that scripture. It says, "Thou hast been faithful over a few things; I will make thee ruler over many things." You see, the reward from God for doing well with the little things He puts in our life is more work. It is. You get to a point where you're just looking for it to all be okay and you're, you're training up and you're, because it's all supposed to lead to a place where it's just smoother, right? But then there's just more work to do. What does God say about this situation? It's easy to be critical, to jump on the bandwagon, to be hard on those who really need your love and support. But God's ways are not like that. He says don't say anything unless it builds that person up, edifies them. And, and then when it comes to our work, we're supposed to work as unto the Lord. Amen. Perpetual work. So what's the answer? God only gives us enough grace for today. You know, in Christ, there's only ever one day for a Christian it is called today. That's <laughs> all we're given. This world is corrupt. And it is very difficult to navigate in our own strength. But 1 John 5, 4 says, And this is that which overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith is that thing which has been given us to use to overcome every obstacle in this life. And even to retrieve all of the things that have been provided for us by the grace of God. We need to trust God. Proverbs 35 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Isaiah 40 and 30 says, It tells us that everyone grows tired and weary. I'm paraphrasing. Everyone grows tired and weary. But 40 verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We're painting a picture here. God is trying to say something about faith and trusting Him and hope. What is hope for a Christian? I know what it isn't. I know what it is to the world and for Christians who have never decided to mature in their relationship with the Lord and they don't know that much about what He has to say about who we are. They haven't renewed their minds. The hope of a Christian is a confident expectation of good from God. 
God would encourage us to remember Hebrews 10.35, which said, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Also remember Hebrews 6.12, And be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Amen? Faith, confidence, patience, trust, hope. Getting the picture? Faith and patience inherit the promises. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Let me go ahead and kill one more sacred cow while we're here about patience. Because, well, let's just look at James 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance or patience. Let patience finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, these scriptures have been twisted by religion over time to say that God controls every detail of your life. He does not control every detail of our lives. Because if you would believe what they have taught about these scriptures, then you believe also that he puts trouble on you to teach you patience. I know that we, we used to talk like that. Oh, don't, don't, don't wish for patience. God will really put something bad on you and teach you. That's not true. Remember, affliction cometh upon you to steal the word. That's what the word, the word says about affliction. And if it comes to steal the word, and we know that Jesus himself is the word made flesh, what is he out to steal himself from you? I don't think so. Sometimes bad doctrine in the church is like deep ruts in a dirt road from wagon tracks. And they get so deep from the wagon traveling over that road for years and years and years that if you go down that road ever, it's hard for you not to fall in those ruts. Some of these scriptures that have been taught wrong for so long, they kind of, when we see them, we just think that way. We'll fall right into that old rut if we're not careful. But just because so many have gone down that road, it doesn't mean that it's going to the right place. Amen? Jesus said many more will enter in by the broad road that leads to destruction than by the narrow gate unto life, which is himself. Jesus is the gate. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one enters, comes to the Father, but by me, not a way. If there was more than one way, why would God himself come and bleed and die on a cross? Just to be one of the ways? Come on. Romans 15.4 says, We through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Patience and comfort of the scriptures. Not patience and comfort of the scriptures. Patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Our knowledge of Scripture affects our attitude toward the present and the future. The greater knowledge we have of what God has done, the more confidence we'll have about what He will do. This confidence gives us enduring faith. Enduring faith. Patience. So, looking at it like this, we can see that patience is simply faith. Faith which comes by hearing the Word. So, faith applied in the life of a believer over a prolonged period of time. Amen? So patience and faith both come from the Word. As a matter of fact, they're both fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith. So have we successfully killed that cow? 
It's important that we do these things. We have to undo erroneous teachings so that we don't think God is a bad God. That we run to Him and not from Him. And we, we know it's a good God, a bad devil. We always know which direction to run to. He's already punished our sins. When we ask for wisdom, He will never look down upon us. It's a loving Father. It's a loving Father. He's already seen everything you're going to do. And He's already paid for it. Don't ever run from God. Hebrews 6.12 says, Be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The message here is God wants us, He wants to remind us, encourage us to be faithful in little. Be faithful in the little things. Follow God's instructions in your life. If God gives you, puts something on your heart to do, no matter how seemingly insignificant, do it. The reward will be great. You will never outgive God, no matter it be with your time, your money, your love. He will always, you take a step toward God, He'll run ten toward you. Elijah, the great prophet, was told by God, he was running the whole kingdom of an evil king, was out to kill this man, this prophet of God. And God told him, go, go to this brook and I'll cause the ravens to come and feed you there. If he had not gone to this place called there, he may have starved to death. Might have got caught and killed. He, no telling what. But he did. Seemed, seemed like an insignificant thing. But when God tells you something, there are no insignificant details. Many times God will not tell you more than that. Usually he will not give you more than the next step he wants you to take. You have to be obedient to that step to find the provision. From there he was sent to a widow of Zarephath in a time of drought. When he came across her, she was gathering sticks to make a fire to make a last meal out of the little bit of meal and, and, and oil that she had. She's going to cook up this little bit for her son and herself and then die. The man of God gave her an opportunity to sow a seed into his life. And he said, feed me. Give me some water first. And then he asked for the food. And, and she did it. I believe God knew this woman was a giver and he needed to get her this opportunity to sow this seed into this man. And you know, after she did and was obedient, she never lacked until the rain came again. It just never diminished the supply. But she had to be obedient to that simple instruction. If we don't, God loves us. God loves you. Settle that in your heart. But what he wants us to know is that we have to keep ourselves positioned to receive the grace that's already been provided for our lives. And to do that, we need to develop our hearing and our obedience, our faithfulness with the things that he puts upon us and in us. Let's see. Go to go to Hebrews chapter 11 quickly. This will help. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the great faith chapter. Now, faith is confidence. Here we go. And what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is this particular version. Faith is the substance, the King James says, of things not seen. Faith is that thing that we use to obtain the things that God has provided already by grace. By doing what he tells us to do, we're not making God do anything. He doesn't owe us anything. He's already provided us with everything. But we have to position ourselves and we do this through our faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. 
Verse 4, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith Enoch was taken from this life. All these good things came on these people by acting a little act of faith. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Do you know the story about Noah? He built an ark, didn't he? Well, did you know that it had never rained in the world before then? Everything was watered from underground, streams and what have you. There was no rain, even. And he definitely built it on dry ground. Do you know it took him 120 years to build? Do you know he was 480 years old when he started building it? Now that's obedience. We have nothing to complain about until we're in that kind of a situation. I mean, come on. You imagine the ridicule he took? The Bible talks about it a little bit. But he did it. And he saved mankind from extinction. We're thankful for that. That ark is a picture of the church. Place of safety. Provision and benefits of God. The family of God coming together to learn to be one with Christ. To love one another. If God can just find the right people to trust Him. To trust that they are just part of a much larger picture and plan. And to to settle for the fact that they're only going to know one step at a time. And only a step regarding their little part. You see big doors swing on small hinges. And mighty oaks grow out of a tiny acorn. We shouldn't limit God. With our small thinking and our rebellious ways. Thinking we know better. Being impatient. The children of Israel limited God. It says in Psalm 78. With their unbelief. Their doubt. Time and again. They turned back and tempted God. And limited the Holy One of Israel. It says. Look back in Matthew 25. And we're almost done. 25 and 17. This is where we began in this 25th chapter. But the 17th verse. Where later on he says. Good and faithful servant. In the 17th verse, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Talking about how God deals with us. The 17th verse, actually by saying that, he shows that we're awarded according to what we have done with the gifts and the potential he's given us. Do you see that? Look at the 26th verse. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. This is the one that, that took the one talent he had given him and buried it in the ground. And he came and he said, Lord, I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. He thought he would just give him back the one that he'd given him and he'd be okay. But the Lord said, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gathered where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. If you think the Lord's too demanding, so you do less? You just don't want to have to deal with any of that? You get what the Bible calls slothful, lazy? It'll actually increase your accountability. God loves you, but there will be rewards in heaven. And by doing nothing with your gifts, it will increase your accountability. So be diligent and faithful with the gifts God has given you. In Luke 19... It actually said the Lord actually took a talent from the man who had hidden it and gave it to someone who had many. Boy, this really puts a dent in communism, doesn't it? God has never been one for that. He said, I'll bless what you put your hands to. In closing here, I'm going to read you a little bit of a, uh, uh, a journal entry 
from a preacher named John Wesley. He lived in the 1700s, almost the entire century, and he was a great man of God. Great man of God. He influenced the known world. But he had to buck the system a little bit and do what God had put in his heart. This is from his actual journal. May the 5th, my birthday. Sunday, May 5th. Preached at St. Anne's. Who asked, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday, the p.m., May 5th. Preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday, a.m., May the 12th. Preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday in the evening, May 12th. Preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday in the morning, May 19th. Preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday in the evening, May 19th, preached on the street. Kicked off the street. Sunday in the morning on May 26th, preached in a meadow. Chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday morning, June the 2nd, preached out at the edge of town. Kicked off the highway. That night, June the 2nd, afternoon service. Preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear. It's never too late to start agreeing with God. Your obedience will bring great rewards. Some of you think God won't use you. You think it's too late. You think you made too many mistakes. It's not true. The Bible's full of stories about knuckleheads who God used in big ways. God would ask us, what, what do you have in your hand? What, what have I given you? What giftings are in you? What have I put at your disposal? That you could offer up to me. He asked Moses what's in your hand. He said a stick. And with that rod. Moses performed many mighty miracles. And led the children of Israel out of bondage. And toward the promised land. He asked Samson what's in your hand. He said the jawbone of an ass. And with it he killed a thousand Philistine soldiers. The enemies of God. He asked David what's in your hand. He said a slingshot and five smooth stones. And with just one. He slew the giant Goliath. And we know his reward was great. Just remind you today that on your journey toward your face-to-face meeting with our Lord Jesus Christ, we will all see him one day. And he will not be standing there as a suffering savior, but as a radiant and glorious conquering hero and king. On your journey toward that day, the enemy of your soul will test you and try to steal God's word from your heart. He'll test your character. He'll try to get you to react in pride. He'll try to get you to be a poor steward of your money and your time and the gifts God has given you. He'll try your patience and he'll try to rob you of hope. And from time to time, he'll even offer you something that seems good to keep you from waiting patiently for God's best. God who has called you into relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, is faithful. And the key to your being faithful to him is to trust in His goodness, His love and devotion to you, and the truth of His Word. Set your course and be faithful in whatever He gives you to do. Amen.